Do you want to start a thriving real estate career, but don't know where and how to start? Do you want to become a successful realtor or investor, but lack the required knowledge and skills? Gear yourself up with the best and actionable advice here on The Real Estate Rundown. Tune in as Shannon Robnett talks with industry veterans about all kinds of asset classes, market trends, challenges, management techniques, and success stories. Listen to informative discussions with valuable tips that will serve as the foundation for your incredible real estate venture. Now, here's your host, Shannon Robnett. Hey, everybody. Welcome to season two of the Real Estate Rundown. I have the, uh, the wonderful experience of going actually north of the border today. I'm actually interviewing Alex Mont-Saint-Jean from Canada, from Montreal. And, you know, here's the funny thing about real estate. It is international. And the, the good news about Alex is he speaks English. So this is going to be a much easier conversation for me but Alex, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about how you got started in real estate, what you've been doing, uh, and then uh, we'll open it up and we'll get started with our, with our podcast. Sure thing. Well, first of all, thank you very much, Shannon, for, for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so as you said, I'm north of the border, Montreal, Quebec. Um, started in real estate about five years ago with just a simple condo. Um, right. It was it was actually my wife's when we moved in together. Uh, actually, that, that one was a little bit more than five years ago, but we um, we renovated it and put some tenants in there and it was paying us every month. And we thought, wow, this is great. Like we were both working in the corporate world and in the corporate, like I always had the feeling that I could and I wanted to do more. I always had the entrepreneurial itch, but I just didn't know exactly how or what and and all that. And so after after a while of taking care of this condo, we realized like, hey, real estate is actually something fun. We understand it. We can kind of control it. And so why not go in a little bit more into this? So I did what a lot of other folks do, which is I've binged on hours of podcasts. No, literally yeah. going to work in the yeah. Metro and on my yeah. off time and stuff like that. And I, I like to joke that, you know, listening to, to actually bigger pockets, I feel like I got a master's degree in real estate. Um, just because you, know, you really can. And, and that's where things have changed so much where you can actually get all that information at your fingertips. And I heard somebody say this weekend that there is no excuse because any resource that you're wanting, whether it's how to fix a car, how to do real estate, how to become a chef, all of these things, there, there are so many resources available to us now, but it's, it's still very few people that take advantage of it like you did, Alex, that really blow up their learning yeah. by finding those spaces of time that you would have been wasting anyway. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and that's just a simple thing with my wife. We said like, let's try to learn and be productive in the off moments. And at some point, like in the car, we always had a podcast on just because it's dead time otherwise. Right. So anyways, so we started with, uh, so this, with, with this condo, her condo, and then we actually bought a second one across, we, we bought a little duplex, we converted into a single family. Um, and across the street was a, a chain, a KFC, which we hated. And we always thought this is a, an urban anomaly. One day it's going to go. And literally like six months after it got developed. So we bought a unit in there thinking like when my parents come over, we can stick them in the condo across the street. Sure. And then, okay. So then we're like, okay, how about a little bit of multifamily? So I spent you know, quite a bit of time researching, found a, a, a five unit that we were getting at a very good price per door. Um, and I did the mistake that a lot of people do, which was, I'm going to renovate it myself. 
So I actually spent four months of demo. By that point, I quit my, my corporate job. I did, and I took it on four months of demolition and then took, and then a contractor came and did some of the work. But I, anyways, I spent about a year working on this. We did a great refi. We bought it for five units for 490. This is Canadian dollars. Uh, we put, a, we put about 130 into it and then we got it appraised at 800. So there was a fair amount of juice. We took the revenue from 32,000 to 52,000. I mean, it was pretty straightforward. And then we're like, right. wow, this actually works. Let's, let's go and do some more. So we found another deal, another five units, which this one we did alone on the other, previous one, we did 50, 50 with a partner. Uh, this one we did alone, which we just refied. Now we have two other projects that, you know, small, uh, small multifamily, uh, so a duplex that we're adding an extra two floors basically to turn it to a four unit. And then another one where it's a four unit that's fully vacant. We're renovating it. We got it for dirt cheap. It was a, a, a succession uh, that we actually bought from the government. It was a funny story. But now we're at a crucial point where we want to do new development. We want to do new construction. And it's, it's actually a, a fairly big pivot, bigger than I expected. We have two projects right now under contract and we're still in due diligence. We, we have a renegotiation. One of them is a 16 unit um, to, be, to be built brand new. There's already you know, preliminary plans that have been done, uh, but uh, we're, we find we're paying a little bit too much for the land. So we're renegotiating with the, with the seller actually tomorrow. Um, and then the other one is a project that was brought to us where it's a commercial space and 17 residential units next to a river an hour outside of town. It's a nice project, but we, we still have a lot of reservation about it. So that's what we're working on. And it's extremely exciting and daunting at the same time. And the last thing I want to do is, is send the, the picture that, oh, real estate is all full of successes. And because that's a lot of what people talk about sometimes yeah. on, on podcasts, they only share the good stuff, but right. I've always wanted to be genuine and say sometimes like, I'm actually really scared to do a deal. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, the funny thing is due diligence when you're buying existing is usually consists of making sure there's not mold in the property and making sure that the rents are really paid and making sure that, you know, the foundation is, is good. Due diligence when you're doing a ground up, you're trying to find, does the market need what you want? Yeah. Um, is there room to grow? Does it fit the zoning requirements? Is the pricing that you're getting from the contractor going to be any good in a year? Or was that last year's pricing and things are getting worse? I mean, there's so many other questions and they're not even really the same kind of questions, mm -hmm. right? They're completely, it's like, you're, oh, this is my, this is my value add bit here. And I, I know that I need a remodel contract and I know that I need this and I can already see the rents that are here and I know what's going on next. None of those questions really apply when you go to the other one because you're doing all new stuff yeah. and you're doing it in a new area and you're trying to figure out, do they even need more housing here? You know? Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely uh, can appreciate that, but let's, let's go back a little bit in your story to where, you know, you realized it, it sounds like you realized pretty quickly that if you want to be a professional grade uh, real estate investor, you need to surround yourself with a professional grade team instead of, having some corporate lackey try and do your remodeling, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so how is that that you kind of, uh, you know, so figured that out? I mean, you, you go from, from doing it yourself, having the great idea that, I mean, look, I, I own a construction company. I don't hang cabinets, right? Yeah. I, there's things that I don't do uh, because I know what I'm good at. But how is it that you went from that 
to finding the team that you now can count on and rely on. That's a really good point, actually. Like, it's actually a combination of factors. And the most basic one is just education. At the beginning, when I started, I thought I had to do it myself because it was just too hard or too complicated to be able to find someone who would fit, I was going to say, the scope for a decent, a decent price. And so yeah. I just thought, wow, I can't find someone to do the demolition. I'm just going to go do it myself. So after my corporate job, I literally like took my car and my toolbox and went on site and cut stuff out with a grinder, which yeah. I kind of realized now was actually also illegal. Uh, <laughs> but that's a different question. <laughs> we, we don't want to, we, we're not going to incriminate ourselves no, on the podcast. So no. we'll skip over that. It wasn't really illegal. It just kind of maybe looked that way a little bit, sort of. Correct. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. Um, and, and just, I, so it was a question of education. and. At the beginning, it was like, oh, real estate is great. Like, I don't have to work for somebody else. Like, yeah, but you have to, if you're going to do it, you have to do it the smart way. And the smart way is actually to be the music conductor. It's not right. to do the work yourself. It's to right. build a team of professionals in each category. And it took me a little bit of time. And after a while, I was like, no, from now on, we pick one here to do closings. We don't go to title companies. We go to a notary. So we have one good notary. He handles everything for us. Same thing with a lawyer. We, we've built relationships with different contractors for different things. Like we have more that's one of like a, a, a maintenance and a handyman, more that's more, more a, a new project. Here are the plans. Quote, I'll give you the keys. You go do it. I'll pay. I'll see you in two months when it's rent ready, pretty much. Right. Um, and then, and, and all that's really build a team to be able to actually put that in place so I can be at home and manage the projects from the comfort of my living room and, right. and computer. You know, and, the, and when you're doing that too, I'm, I'm sure you probably realize that there's a lot of difference between price and quality. Yeah. How, how did you, how do you balance that? I mean, you, you know, because you still run that edge of, if I spend too much, it doesn't get covered by the rent. If I don't spend enough, I won't get it rented. So I've got to find something that is, is in the middle that gets me good quality at a decent price, at, at, a, at a decent timing so that I can get it rented. I don't need to build the Taj Mahal, but I can't have it look like Motel 6. Yeah. No, and, th and that's a really good point. Like, for us, it really came down to like knowing our local market and say, okay, for this yeah. unit, we know we can rent for 1100 a month. It needs yeah. to, it, it all needs to fit in that box. And so we're also investing for the long run. And that's the beauty of, of real estate is that it kind of forgives over time. Yeah. Um, there are units like, yeah, I think we overspent a little bit, but you know, three, even just three years from now, will we regret? No. Yeah. It's just that we ate our margin a little bit. So doing the research, educating and, um, and, you know, knowing your market locally, but also like your, your ideal tenant, who are you looking for? And I used to think like, oh, you just put an ad and people will apply. And now we're a lot more specific in our marketing of like, you know, this property is located in this place. It's located between downtown and the airport. We actually ideally want a couple who the husband works at the airport and the wife works downtown that make, you know, so much money and this and that. We're actually kind of able to narrow down and, uh, and, and find some of those ideal tenants. Well, and that's, and that's a good point. You know, one of the things that we do when we build new is we like to put in some three bedrooms, but we don't mm -hmm. like a lot of three bedrooms because three bedrooms attract families and you can't discriminate. We're not, as, we're not advocating discrimination, but, but families are hard on stuff. Yeah. And typically those that are in apartments are younger families. So they got little kids. I remember my little kids, they colored on the walls. They, you know, their hamster peed all over the carpet. I mean, all those kinds of things. And so when you really look at that and you're, when you're looking at the property, you have a lot of choices, just like you're talking about there, Alex, where you can really 
customize this property to fit what you want to put into it mm-hmm. and the returns you want to get. That's so, so important. And it's so key. And, and a lot of people forget that in their due diligence, they just go, well, I found a property, so I have to buy it. Well, that that's how we all started out, right? Yeah. I think we all ran down the hallway like it was on fire trying to find our first deal, but we slowly learned uh, some of us faster than others, me still learning uh, that, you know, that you can be selective and you can look at how you want to do your properties. So let's pivot here a little bit and let's talk about, um, you know, you've got it renovated, you've got it uh, uh, renting, and you, you talked about your long-term vision. You know, tell me a little bit more about how you're viewing your long-term vision rather than the people that are doing the quick fix and flips. And I mean, we hear about all kinds of different strategies and not that there's anything wrong with any one strategy. I just like to dive in when someone says that they like a particular strategy. When you're looking at the long-term hold, what is it you're looking for uh, when, when you're going to buy a property as far as how that lays out, what your plan is and those kinds of things? Okay, so I can say like a lot of investors, um, we were looking for appreciation obviously, and but we need to live and we need some cash flow now. Let's be realistic. Yeah. So we're looking for a combination of both. Uh, but again, like we are investing for the next 30, 40 years. So we're fine taking a little bit less cash flow, knowing that it will pay in the future. Uh, that's right. number one. And number two is that as ideal as this may sound, I also want to be proud of what is it that I do. And I want to be proud of the properties that I actually own. And there's there's something for me that's important in this. Like my dream is actually to, to build an entire neighborhood or to build a city. And, and not because, oh, I want to feel like I'm the mayor. Just because I want to be anonymous in that neighborhood and look at the people who live there and, and be happy and proud that I actually provided a place for them to build a family and be happy and work. And, and I'm not doing this because I want them to, you know, to look at me and to thank me. It's got nothing to do with that. I just want to have that feeling. So I'm looking yeah. for cash flow. I'm looking for equity, obviously, but it's, it's a little bit more. And as we've grown into our, our, our real estate investing, like it becomes a little bit less and less about the money, even though we still need it. Like we have two young kids and so on. Uh, and more and more also about the, I was going to say the mindset. Well, and you know, that's the, 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 the beautiful thing about going into new construction and uh, that kind of a thing, you can really shape a whole neighborhood. You can develop and build a whole neighborhood, um, you know, because it's not often when you go in and you start buying, you know, I, I, I'm buying uh, existing units in a building I live in. And so I'm picking them up here and there, but I don't really have control, right? Mm-hmm. And I can't make them sell or I can't make them do this or I can't force this. But when you're developing, you have the ability to make everything the way you want it and help mold that neighborhood. I wish we had more dog parks in our neighborhood. So I'm going to create them and I'm going to create a dog wash facility in the the apartment complex that we're building. And I'm doing these things because I want to see a certain vision and hopefully it will attract the kind of people that share the vision that I have. Right. Absolutely. And that's, that's what's so great about being able to be a developer. And I'm sure that's what excites you about the two projects that you're currently working on is that you have the ability to create your vision and, and to really breathe life into that neighborhood the way that you look at it and you go, oh, you know what you're missing? You're missing one of these, one of these, and one of these. And the beauty of capitalism, they'll show you if you're right or wrong, right? <laughs> Very <laughs> so, well said. So 
So tell me, you're you're in your due diligence on your on your new construction. I always like to talk with guys that are that are doing new construction because, as you know, that's my background. But what? So where are you at, and what what are some of the challenges you're having in that new construction process? Okay, so actually, and you might be able to help me, and I'm I'm happy we're having this this conversation because you ha- you might have some really good pointers. So we put the land under contract just before Christmas, and we we felt like it was a bit high. The seller also threw in because right now there's a an old rundown vacant four unit that needs obviously that needs to be demolished. And he threw in that he would do, he would take care of the permitting, the demolition and the excavation for us to do the new project because it's his project. He was supposed to start in 2019. He didn't do it due to the pandemic, but he had some plans. And so we're optimizing those plans. We took it from 14 unit to 16 unit without changing the footprint. And, and now we're, we, we're redoing the numbers and we we know we're paying a little bit too much right now for the land as it is. There isn't enough juice. So we're going to tell him to remove the demolition and excavation. Um, and one of our hard points is that we don't have our, our own construction company. So we're going to general contractors and be like, hey, here are some preliminary plans. Can you bid? And so as a function of what we get, then we plug in back into our model and then we see, but it's, we have to make essentially like a $1 million purchase decision based on approximates. And I don't want to do garbage in, garbage out. Right. Well, you know, there's a couple of things here that we can unpack. One of the things that, that I always look at is uh, price or terms, right? So, you know, you have a great mindset because you're looking at the long run of real estate, right? So if you pay $200,000 more for this land, then maybe it's worth today or maybe that somebody else might buy it for, but it works for you long-term. Is that really enough to throw you off? And you have to look at what, what do you get out of it, right? Yeah. A lot of times what I do is, is when I'm developing property, I go to the edge of town. I go to something that's not zoned appropriately and the people understand that, but they also understand that with the right zoning, it's worth a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I'm always willing to say, hey, if you'll give me the time to rezone this, I'll pay you X dollars, right? I can get you there, but I have to have the time. Yeah, we have yeah. other people that are just looking for a quick sale. I just want to get rid of it. My mom owned this property for years. I don't have any use for it, right? And they're looking for a quick sale. They don't want to wait around for two years, right? And so I often have the conversation about what's most important to you, the timeline or the dollars. And then with that, I come to people like like one of the negotiations that you're looking at is if you have to close on the land, uh, very soon, that means your interest clock is going to get started quick. That means that you're going to have, you know, you're going to be rushing to do this stuff. But what if you say, hey, I'm willing to pay the price, but I need you to wait until I have a building permit. And I'm going to do these five steps with these deadlines for my steps so that you know that I'm moving forward, mm-hmm. so that we're continuing to move the project forward. But now you have time and time is worth money, right? Yeah. And and one of the other things that I see is when people go to contractors, they go for the bid. And one of the things that's difficult with that is, did you want really nice carpet, kind of nice carpet, right? And so a lot of times what I do is I do a design build where I go and I find the contractor that I like. I find the contractor that builds the product that I see. I find the contractor whose reputation checks out that they have a good warranty, that they, that they build a good product. And then I negotiate with them to build the project. And I negotiate with them something called a cost plus, which Mm -hmm. means that here's the cost that you paid the plumber. 
plus a fee for you for managing the work. And now I get to see all the receipts. There's no, uh, there's no hidden account over here to cover this or cover that because when they give you a hard bid, they've got some money held back to cover something that might happen. We're just going to put it all on the table so that when something yeah. does happen, because it will happen, Alex, yeah. Yeah. it will. Yeah. You know exactly what happened and how. Mm -hmm. And then we look at who we want to get involved for plumbers, for heating and air guys, for concrete guys, and we build a team. And that team helps me draw the plans. Because I promise you, the architect doesn't know near as much as the concrete guy does about how to build it. The architect knows how to draw it. The architect knows the codes, but the concrete guy or the plumber knows how to do it much better in their specific area. And so we build that team. And when you build the best team, see, we've got a project going right now that the last month, my interest will be $4,000 a day. A day? A day. Man, what's the project? Uh, we've got 190 units under construction. And at the end of that $50 million construction loan, my interest is about $4,000 a day. Mm -hmm. So when I go to look at the cheapest price, it doesn't quite work. If I look at the best plumber and I hold him to a very aggressive schedule, I'll make way more than $4,000 a day, mm -hmm. right? And so when you build your team and you understand that now you have the recipe for success when you hit the bump, because you're going to hit the bump. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter where you're at or what you're doing. There's going to be a bump in the project. And so when you're looking at that, you're really, really smart to start that conversation now with your owner of the land about how and maybe we need to renegotiate. This is where I'm at. Help me help me help you uh -huh. get this property off your hands. Right. Yeah. And so those are just kind of a couple of things that I do that really bring value because like you said, in five years, none of that's going to matter. Either you have a project or you don't in five years. That's the only matrix you're going to have, right? Mm -hmm. and, and then once you've decided you're going to have one, the question is then, are you going to have a successful one? Or are you going to have a one that came out with a $10 million budget with a $12 million total price and a lot of heartache and grief and mad investors and all these other things? Or are you going to have one that had a team that was fluid through it and anticipated what, what was going to get bumped and, and went as best as possible. Yeah. So that would be my advice uh, on, on that, mm -hmm. real, just from, from a bird's eye view. But when you're looking at that, you know, you have to put that all into place. And you have to understand what's going to be in your best interest to reach your long-term goal. Yeah. yeah. And, and to be, and jumping into projects like that, I also have to accept that I need to, to be comfortable with the unknown when yeah. it comes to cost. Like overall, eh, I think I can get that 16 unit build for about 4 million, but well, obviously we need some contingency and stuff, but Hey, we're just going to have to work hard. And if we need to be at about $200 a square foot, then that's where we need to be. Well, and the other thing you can do too, Alex, is if you get your property management team on board and you find out what can I get for rent in this area, right? Yeah, yeah we already did that. Yeah. Then yeah. you know how much you can spend. Mm -hmm. Then if you've built a construction team, you go to your general contractor and go, I have to build this for $200 a square foot. Show me how. Yeah. You show me because you've been doing this for 25 years. You've been doing this for a long time. Uh, yeah. And it needs to make sense. That's a wrap for today's episode of The Real Estate Rundown. 
Let these newfound strategies pave the way to start a successful career or a profound rebranding. If you loved everything you have heard, listen to more conversations at www.shannonrobnet.com and be sure to leave a rating, share it with your friends, and subscribe. Until the next episode.